0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hello. Welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. I just completed my tour. So thank you. If you came to see the show, misses Anywhere in the UK or in Europe, or if you saw it in America, or if you saw it in Canada, I really appreciate it. If you weren't able to see it, it will be released as a special soon. Though we are ironing out the details of that because we, you know what, you don't, I'll spare you the details. We hit some fucking bumps in the road. I might have to make an edit because uh, I'm not going to spare you the details. I might basically, America thinks it's the center of the universe. And I get it. But America, I don't know if you've seen the news, you've not done well lately. You don't really produce much. You're on a real downward spiral. And culture does not come from you. So, I mean, I don't know. Americans have this idea that they're like, you need to take this out and put this in and make this more American. And it's like, why? For who? Like, have you heard of Bridgerton? America fucking loves Bridgerton and it's British. And we speak English over here and people know about us. And One Direction was really famous and the Beatles were really famous. And all of your best actors are actually British doing an accent, usually badly. And you're fine with that. But I mean, I don't know. We're in discussions. I might have to change some little things around. But I hope not to because you know what? I love the UK. This is my home. This is where my children are from. This is where my daughter goes to school. Fred probably won't be educated. He'll just, you know, go to some type of farming program. But Violet is English and I don't know, like a lot of my influences are British and I think that's okay. And I know it's confusing for people because I have this accent, but I also give people the benefit of the doubt that, you know, they know most of what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is never very niche and I've had it both ways. Like when I first came to the UK, producers and commissioners were like, well, she's talking about American stuff. I was talking about the Kardashians in 2008, 2009. And people were like, Catherine, nobody understands what you're talking about. Nobody knows that family. And I was like, oh, well, you will. And don't you now? Some of you still don't. God bless you for living under a rock. But like, I was right. And there are cultural things that I am attracted to and I am intrigued by and I want to talk about. And I think that The audience that I attract wants to talk about those things too. And I think I make what I'm saying abundantly clear to everyone. I've done this show in the Netherlands. I've done it in Paris, America, Canada. I mean, all throughout Scandinavia. I've been around. People get it. People get it. So anyway, one way or another that is coming to you very soon if you'd like to watch it from home A lot of really good stuff's coming out. I can't wait to see that Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie. It's apparently the number one movie in the world on Netflix. Don't know what it's called. You don't need to know. It's called Christmas something. And all you have to do is go to Netflix and search Lindsay Lohan, who's looking better than ever. Have you seen Lindsay Lohan? Like, let's please normalize. Paris Hilton, being 40 years old, and looking better than she did when she was 20 years old. And now Lindsay Lohan went through like a child star tumultuous downward spiral, let's call it where she looked quite, I don't know, like a party animal. I was gonna say bloated. And then I was like, don't say that about someone. But that's what it was. And the message is Lindsay Lohan's gorgeous. But let's, you know, keep a handle on our alcohol consumption and Red Bull and whatever was going on with these girls at that time. Late nights. Everybody needs to sleep. And she looks fucking incredible now. I've seen, like, I don't even think she's had work done. I just think she looks tight. I don't know if she has had work done. If you have any information, Lindsay Lohan, if you're listening, because you and I should be best friends. I don't know why we're not. If you have had any aesthetic tweakage Just help a brother out. Tell me what you've had. (laughs) I hate people who keep it to themselves. You are selfish, rude, unacceptable. And I just want to know. People always comment that I've had stuff done and I haven't. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I've been pregnant. And my preferred aesthetic technician slash dentist slash whatever Nina is calling herself now, Dr. Nina, she's like a... Master of so many things. She does my Botox and filler when I have Botox and filler. She also does like all dif- different treatments. This thing I'm quite interested in called Endolift, but I also am not really sure. I don't know about heating up your skin anymore because I think if you do any lasers or any skin treatments like that, it can encourage collagen production, sure, but also I think heating up your skin too much maybe melts some of the fat underneath and you need fat in your face. And I also feel like these are treatments that you need to kind of keep up every six months, three months in some cases. And I don't think they have the same pow effect that you're hoping for. I think a lot of us just got to wait and get a lower facelift. I don't want to be chasing my tail, getting Morpheus in my lower jawline all the time to improve skin quality because the laxicity is just it's gone too far. Anyway, I haven't seen Nina in a long time because she's too good at her job. She's too scrupulous. She knows that I'm either pregnant or breastfeeding. So it's not like I can anonymously just like tuck in somewhere and be like, hey, no, I'm not, I'm not pregnant. I just swallowed a beach ball. Can I please have Botox? No, I've been banned. So anyone who thinks I've had work done, no, I've had the opposite of work done. I've had no work done. and That's why I look like shit. Anyway. I don't look that shit because people were hitting on me up north. If you want to feel good about yourself, ladies, take a walk around the Christmas markets of Manchester. I was strolling along and I was wearing my husband's clothes. So I have a stage dress. It's by Gucci. If, you know, people reach out to me and I feel like I'm loud about this on social media enough and you should know where my stuff is from if you follow me. But the lesson is, you know, People don't always see everything that you post. So sometimes you have to say it again. My headbands and bows or, you know, any hair accessory that I have is usually Victoria Percival. You can go to her website. She has lots of nice Christmas goodies in the new collection, but she does the headband that I wear on tour. My dress and my shoes that I wear on tour, are Gucci. Why? Because you're worth it. Because we did a hundred shows. And if you divide the cost of the dress By 100, then, like per night, a costume fee plus dry cleaning is not that much. And that's what I do. I wear the same dress every night on tour. So I pack very little. The dress is just ready on a hanger. That's all I need. And during the day, I'm either just doing some work or doing a podcast if I don't have the family with me. If I have the family with me, then yes, I have to pack absolutely everything in my life for Fred. But I didn't. This was my last time alone. I just went up north with my tour manager, Annie, who is now in Qatar working on the opening and I think closing ceremonies of the World Cup. Qatar is a, you know, contentious and controversial place right now, but a lot of people have gone there and a lot of people will be watching the World Cup. What is that? It is a contest of football, I'm told. Annie and I were alone and so I had some takeaway and I went for a little walk wearing my husband Bobby's clothes. I had my own UGG boots. I had Bobby's track pants. I had Bobby's college jumper And I had a toque on like a Canadian, you know, woolly hat and my Zara. uh, Oh, my gosh. (gasps) Speaking of coats, I was wearing my Zara bomber jacket because I thought it looked like one that Molly May had. Molly May from Love Island, who is dating Tommy Fury and expecting a baby with him. And I loved her pregnancy style and I wanted to start looking more like Molly May. So I started buying uh, I love leggings, maternity leggings. They have regular leggings, too really nice, really comfortable, not see through. And I started just basically copying all her clothes. Molly Mae wears a mixture of designer and high street and she just looks great. And I think the key to Molly Mae's beauty is just, well, number one, natural beauty. But what she does that I don't do is she does hair and makeup. So she'll be in, you know, slouch socks, maybe some nice, crisp white Balenciaga trainers, high street leggings, high street jacket, Louis Vuitton purse, or a Chanel bag, but then she's got like loads of beautifully manicured extensions and her makeup's all done. I don't do the face or hair when I'm out. I'm like looking like Molly Mae in the clothes, but then I've got my little red pregnant nose and no makeup on. So the coats as as a little detour, Bobby, my husband, I love him very much. Don't get it twisted. I love Bobby more than ever. But we've hit two bumps in the road this week. Number one, he doesn't like boxes. He doesn't like, uh, you know, he's not materialistic at all. It's one of the things I love about Bobby. He brings me back to my roots. He reminds me where I came from. He's very humble. He doesn't like waste. He doesn't like spending a lot of money on things you don't need. And he believes in decluttering. And doing that provides so much peace and clarity in your life. We all just juggled rooms. Violet had so much fucking stuff. Like I'm talking designer things with tags on, unopened gifts. So watch this space because I am teaching Violet how to create either an eBay or Depop account. And she is going to be selling all these things for charity because, I mean, whose fault is it mine? But she's got just so much stuff. Bobby throws it all away or gives it to charity regularly and he breaks down boxes in the garage and he's always like, Catherine, what are you ordering? What are you doing? But I don't, you know, I'm trying to get better and I am trying to pack away things that are off season. So this summer I packed away all of our winter coats. I am talking about my iconic Prada floor length puffer jacket that I wore on Who Do You Think You Are, that I wore when I first reconnected with Bobby, that I have worn solidly since I bought it. How long ago was that? Just about four years ago coming up on Christmas. I bought it for Who Do You Think You Are? Because you weren't allowed to wear Canada Goose on the BBC because Canada Goose is a little bit contentious due to the fact that they murder geese and coyotes. And it's not great. It really isn't great. And I needed my eyes open to that. So when that happened, I went, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right, BBC. I bought the Prada coat. I gave away my Canada Goose jacket and... I gave away the children's Canada Goose jackets too. Oh No, I only had one child. I gave away Violet's one or she might have had two sizes. Anyway, I'm trying to be better. So I packed away all these coats. It was not just my Prada coat. It was Violet's winter coats, the one she needs for school, which is like branded to her school uniform. Um, I packed away my Ray jackets. You might have seen in the Duchess have like a long pink lovely fuzzy jacket I have that in a variety of colors pack that away packed away Bobby's winter coats packed away some leather jackets packed it all away. that has gone missing that's gone that entire bag of coats has either been donated to charity which is what I'm hoping or it has been thrown out in a skip because every once in a while Bobby gets a skip for American audiences a skip is a dumpster and they drop it off in your driveway and you fill it up and then they collect it and they take it away for a fee and uh, my fear is that my entire lifetime collection of winter coats is gone in the trash. And I really hope someone's wearing those coats. I really hope it's gone somewhere. But we've torn the house apart. Um, I just don't I don't have any of those coats. But that's OK. At first, I was like, oh, my gosh, what a waste. But then I was like, well, hopefully they've gone to a better land to a better person, to a better place. And I don't really miss them. I I got really good use out of that product Code. It was my favorite. It was also great for being on set for just chucking it on the floor and sitting on it because it was waterproof. But it was warm. And it was for some people, it looked like a bin bag. I mean, I squatted down one time to pick something up and Sarah Pascoe's dog Mouse came over and pissed on me because I think he thought I was trash. But I mean, that coat and I have been through a lot together and it's okay to take something that you love, thank it for its service and let it go. And now I have the one Zara jacket that I bought to copy Molly May. I have no other winter jackets. I'm going to buy a baby wearing parka for the winter because the babies do anytime. time. And uh, that's it. I, I was like, you know what, Catherine, you don't need a designer winter jacket. You had that one. You loved it. It's gone now. But I was sad at first. I was like, Bobby, you threw all our jackets away. And he denies doing it. He's like, no, that wasn't me. Well, who would it have been? Because you don't see me going to the dump, ordering skips. And he's blaming Violet. And Violet's blaming him. And we just don't know. But what we know for sure, and what I have accepted, is that all the coats are gone. So, I mean, I hope that one of you is wearing my coats. I hope that very much. And I've learned a lesson from that. The lesson is... Trust no one. Don't pack your uh, winter coats away. Keep them where you can see them. (laughs) No, you don't need stuff. You don't need as much stuff as you think. And it's okay when something goes. But I'm walking around Manchester. Oh, the other, wait, the other roadblock Bobby and I bumped into is that I have been told by a lot of sources online that it is a wise decision to start at this point in your pregnancy harvesting colostrum colostrum those of you with kids or those of you you know in the know about women's bodies and issues you'll know that that is the milk that comes first when you have a baby and it's like really rich and full of antibodies and it's kind of like oil or like butter it's yellow or orange like butter and you only get a little little bit because a newborn's stomach when it's born is really really small and it's the milk that comes before your actual white milk that looks like milk comes. But I have it now and you won't run out of it. It will just start to come uh, at different times, I guess. And you can squeeze down your breast if you want like a tutorial on how to do that. They've got loads of them online. You should not be using a breast pump to get it out because that can overstimulate your breasts and then cause uterine contractions. And you don't want to have your baby too early. You just want to chill and wait. But you can just squeeze the milk out and you can order these little syringes online that are sterile colostrum harvesting syringes. And you can just suck it up with these syringes and put it in the freezer. And that way, when your baby is born, your body knows to keep producing the colostrum. Then, like I said, you won't run out. But you've got a freezer stash of even more colostrum. So if your baby's a little bit small or a little bit jaundiced or just a little bit extra hungry or for whatever reason you're struggling to feed, you've got this backup supply and you can thaw it and squirt some of it in their mouth. Great. Love it. I'm a huge fan of everything to do with making babies stronger and healthier and facilitating breastfeeding. It's not for everyone. That's fine. But it's for me. So I'm harvesting colostrum the other night. And Bobby's like, what is this? I said, well, you know, you got to harvest colostrum. He said, no. I said, no, stop doing what you're doing. I don't like it. I don't think you need to do this. For hundreds of years, women didn't do this. And I was like, (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you referring to the time in history where one of the leading causes of death was childbirth and like babies didn't make it? And you look back at your family tree and you see like, oh, this man was married to Emily. And then, you know, in 1850, Emily had a baby. And then in 1850, later in the year, she was dead and he had a new wife all of a sudden. And then that wife had three kids. And then when she had her fourth kid at age 16, she died. And then he replaced her in three months. It's like these women, if you watch ancestry shows or like me participate in an ancestry show, like women used to just unfortunately die And then a man couldn't have like eight kids on the farm and no wife. So he'd just replace you with a new wife in like three weeks. That's the time Bobby's referring to. I'm like, listen, no, women weren't doing this hundreds of years ago, but they're doing it now. And I think it's for the best. And you need to support me in my journey to harvest colostrum. And he was like, well, it just looks painful and strange. and I don't think you should do it. And I just was like, oh, my God, we're so we're so similar in all the ways that matter. But then when his old schoolness comes out, I'm like, you just got to trust that I'm on the blogs and I know what I'm doing and my harvesting of colostrum isn't hurting anyone. So now I still do it, but I do it in the shadows, basically. So I'm walking around Manchester. I'm wearing my only remaining winter jacket thanks to someone in this house. Who knows? Maybe we're robbed again. Maybe someone just came in, took my garment bag of winter coats and bounced. I don't know. Point is, I'm wearing my only winter coat. I'm wearing my husband's clothes. I'm walking down the street and this man comes up to me and he had done that thing where he passed me and turned around and doubled back and went, Catherine. And that happens a lot. Like if I'm walking with a group of people, sometimes people recognize me, but they don't recognize me until after they've passed me for some reason. And then they go, I can hear them say, oh, is that Catherine Ryan? Or sometimes they'll come back and say hi. And there's a drop down menu of follow up questions after that. Sometimes they'll just ask me what I'm doing in town or they'll say, I've been to see your show or they'll have something just kind and generous to share or we'll take a picture or whatever. This man did none of these things. He circles back and he goes, Catherine. I said, yes. I'm eating a yogurt, looking like shit, walking around. He goes, are you single? I was like, what? what did you just say? He goes, are you single? I was like, I am eight plus months pregnant by my husband to whom I've been married for over three years. I post about him constantly on social media. I talk about him constantly on stage in my new show. I talk about him on TV. I've done interviews about him. Uh, I talk about him on podcast. I just had another baby who's at home and who's 17 months. I got so much baggage Like, if you recognize me, not everyone has to know me. Not everyone has to know about my life. But if this guy knows me, he knows my name. Presumably, he recognized me looking like straight shit. I've only looked like shit for the last three years. (laughs) Why doesn't he know anything about me from the last three years? Like, if and if he hasn't seen me at all in three years, if he is recognizing me from, like, your face or mine four years ago when I had it together... Then like, how did he even recognize me, number one? And how did he have that so current in his brain as to pull it out as a reference? If I hadn't seen someone ever in four years, I don't think I'd pass him on the street in a woolly hat and be like, hey, but he's like, hey, are you single? I'm like, no, look at me. No, I'm eating a yogurt in the middle of Manchester Piccadilly on a Saturday morning wearing my husband's clothes about to give birth. What the fuck? And that was fine. You know, it's nice to be asked. It was uh, flattering, to say the least. <laughs> or maybe Manchester standards are just incredibly low, and he he didn't mind. He was like, "Are you single?" Because I am a midwife. I don't know. I could help you out. Maybe I should have been like, "Yes, I am single, Bobby, and I could use the extra help in the coming weeks." But um, and then he didn't have any questions after that. I thought it might be just a funny like, "Are you single?" No, ha <laughs> Anyway my mom really likes you. Let's take a picture. No, he just walked off after that. He was like, okay, bye. What? Such a strange interaction. Good for him for shooting his shot. Good for him for not, you know, stereotyping me as someone who was not worth a chat up. Yes, I'm a new mother and I'm about to become a mother again. Yes, I'm almost 40 years old. Yes, I'm married but that doesn't stop me from maybe being interested in a little bit of northern fun good for him you know and i'm older than him i'm sure i was older than him what a day what a whirlwind but that was my last show manchester november 12th i wrapped mrs you will never see it live again i got to write a new show and I'm excited to do that. And I hope that you watch Mrs. when it comes out as a special. And I really hope that you tune in to Louis Theroux's interview with me on BBC Two, November 22nd at 9 p.m. I know they're collecting viewing figures from that. And I know that Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, did the best of anyone. And what I don't wanna do is the worst. So please watch it. It's unlike any interview I've ever done before. It was, um, I totally disassociated from having Louis Theroux in my house. If I had really given it the attention it deserved, I would have been nervous, I think, because I love Louis Theroux. I love his style. I love all the work he's done before. What an honor it was to have him. But because I'm so busy and so, like, disconnected from what's actually happening in front of me, I just, it was just like having anyone in the house. Like, hey, Louis, we had a nice chat. I hope you love it. That's November 22nd. The news especially the celeb news has been absolutely popping this week. Jennifer Aniston did a huge interview with Allure, beautiful pics. I mean, she has always been uh, one of the most captivating women in the world. And of course, she became very, very, very famous in the 90s. She was the epitome of the girl next door and then catapulted to like fame as never before been experienced by anyone on Friends We were all copying her hair. We were all talking about her relationship. And then that time in media, it was fine to be really nasty about women still. And I feel like all the women on Friends had fake nipples in their t-shirts as well. Because if you watch Friends Back, no one's nips are that hard all the time. And it was a sexy look. You know, the little baby doll t-shirt with the sheer bra. Oh, I think those women are a huge part of the reason I got breast implants. Because I was wearing padded bras when I was young and had no boy, like boy nipple, no boobs at all. Everyone else in my family grew boobs, not me. And I was like, damn, these women just have such lovely, compact, natural, but still there like a small C breast and they always have erect nipples. How are they doing it? Looking back, I think those were silicone nipples, but I digress. Jennifer Anston, please can you confirm or deny? It's not my business, but I just kind of need to know for my own personal mental health. All right. So during her incredible interview, she said the following about an unspecified time in her life. She said, I was trying to get pregnant. It was a challenging road for me, the baby making road, all the years and years and years of speculation. It was really hard. I was actually going through IVF, drinking Chinese teas, you name it. I was throwing everything at it. I would have given anything if someone had said to me, freeze your eggs, do yourself a favor. But you just don't think. So here I am today, and the ship has sailed. She has no regrets, and she actually says she feels relieved now because it's not something she has to think about. And having children isn't for everyone. But if you think back, if you're my age and you remember the time that Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston were always in the tabloids every day, there was so much speculation like, is she pregnant? Is Jen pregnant? You could just talk about women's bodies however you wanted. And then. When their relationship dissolved and he very quickly moved on with Angelina Jolie, I mean, what did he do? He had like 10 kids immediately. He came into her family where she had kids and then they had more kids. They uh, had more adopted kids and they also had some biological kids and they just became this big happy family. Well, that was a narrative, too. It's like, oh, well, Angie's given him a real family and kids and that's what Brad wanted and Jen Aniston is so selfish because she was focused on her career and she wouldn't have kids for him. Da-da-da-da-da. It was disgusting. Can you imagine we were still allowed to talk about women that way now? And can you imagine what it's like to go through that? I remember like not to be triggering for anyone. People message me now that I've spoken about miscarriage and they say is there any triggering miscarriage stuff in your show? Do I have to cuz I'm very much over it now. Not everyone gets over it the same way that I do. Uh some people are in the middle of pregnancy loss or it's very fresh for them and I remember how hurtful it was at that time. But I also remember driving with Violet to Starbucks and I had just had my second miscarriage of 2020 and I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, maybe this is never going to work for me again." And it's the only thing that I want and So many women are able to have it. And here I am in this life where I can have everything. I'm so much luckier than I ever imagined that I would be. There's a quote from Broadcast News, which is a great movie. Someone mentioned it last night. They said, what do you do when your actual life exceeds your dreams? And the answer was, uh, you keep it to yourself. And it's a really cute little quote from the movie. But I thought oh my God, that's really powerful. Like my life uh, professionally has exceeded my dreams. And even personally, I have Violet who's healthy. And that's really all that matters that your children are happy and well. If you wanna have children and the people that you love are safe. And I had Bobby in my life then and I had all these wonderful things I never thought I'd have. But this very simple thing that so many people take for granted, I could not achieve at the time. And I felt like shit about it. And it was so fresh. I think I'd had the miscarriage like a day before or two days before. And we drove to the Starbucks drive through And the barista said to me when he handed us the coffee, are you Catherine Ryan? And I said, yeah. I said, oh, I really like your work. Can I get a picture with you? I said, yeah. He said, are you single? No, he didn't. And I drove away and I just started crying in the car and Violet hates when anyone cries. She's like, why is this happening now? And I said, I'm sorry. I just, I don't want to be Catherine Ryan. Like, I don't want someone to go, oh my God, you're on TV. I don't want that. I just want to grow my family right now. I want this other thing that I can't have. Do you know what I'm saying? So for Jennifer Aniston, that on a huge scale, she's like the most beautiful woman in the world. She's the most famous woman, the most beloved woman. But she wanted to do this thing that none of us knew she was actually trying to do. And it wasn't happening for her. And no amount of money or power or fame was making it happen. And I love when famous women share about this, because I know that real women experience it all the time and they're like why why can't I solve this and it's so difficult to explain like what a (sighs) biological injustice it feels like when you want it and it isn't working for you and you don't know what's around the corner you don't know how it's going to work or if it's going to work that uncertainty is actual torture so it was great that she spoke about it and it's so nasty how evil the media were with her at the time and she just very dignified just took it on the chin and kept moving forward finally i know you've all seen that pete davidson is now reportedly dating emily radakowski Radakowski, yeah no it's radakowski one of the most beautiful women in the world again pete davidson dates nothing less than like absolute 11 out of 10s and people are like oh my god how's he doing it well it's his 10-inch dick Uh, Ariana Grande supposedly went on record saying it was 10 inches. Then Pete corrected her. He said, no, it's nine inches. Kim Kardashian very openly enjoyed Pete Davidson's dick. I'm starting to question why we are allowed to objectify this man and continue to talk about the size of what is quite clearly a solid gold penis. I mean, look, look, let's be real about the penis. Gentlemen listening. There are things you care about, I believe, more than we care about. I think you guys care about baldness more than we do. I wouldn't mind if someone was bald. Having said that, I don't think I've ever dated anyone bald. But like when I see a bald guy, I think he's just as attractive as someone with hair. It's not something that we think about in a huge way. You guys do. I know you're very sensitive about it. Also, penis size. I don't understand the need for a penis that's going to hurt you you get UTIs, you can have this thing that one of my friends had where like her cervix was constantly being like smashed in quite an aggressive way from a penis that was too big for like what her body could accommodate. And that's painful. And I know that you guys think having a big dick is awesome. And it's in rap lyrics about like, I'll beat that pussy up. I don't want my pussy to be involved in any type of violence. I just... I think the nerve endings are not even up that high, but there is, this is the thing with dicks, is there, we know that if you grow up with a big penis, that you show it to other guys in the shower or you participate in some sort of athletics or you're naked together and other men first will notice that you have a big dick. We know that that big dick parlays into big dick energy and you grow up a different person, a more confident person, a more relaxed person, someone who acts like they've got this quiet aura of self-esteem because of how other men have treated you growing up. So that I think is what we're attractive to. It's not the big dick But the BDE, big dick energy, I have always been strongly attracted to big dick energy. And sometimes this energy comes from men who have very average sized penises. But when you have a big one, you're more likely to have the energy because of how everyone treats you. So that's what it is. It's the swagger. And I will tell you, uh, not just from experience, but from different uh, surveys that I've taken in my industry, A lot of male comedians have huge dicks. Now, what comes first? The chicken or the egg? The talent or the dick? But I think they grow up with this confidence from other men being like, whoa, his dick's big and giving them like props in the dressing rooms or whatever happens. And they have confidence and they're more likely to go into stand-up. I don't know. Or they have this like swagger, but I could name you, but I won't. A few comedians here, right here in the U.K., who have big dicks. But it's not appropriate because I wouldn't like it if the male comedians were like, do you know who has stunning labia? Catherine Ryan. (laughs) That's why I put it in my book for you to read straight from myself. Still stunning, by the way. I don't know what's going to happen after this next baby, but it's gorgeous. And I talked before about sitting in some type of mold and casting it. And a lot of people got angry about that. They're like, don't talk about your labia being beautiful, Catherine. Well, yes, I will. Why? Because... We're told that it's like ugly and dirty and whatever. And we're not supposed to think it's beautiful. Well, mine's fucking beautiful. And whatever yours looks like, I'm sure it's beautiful too. How about that? Get some labia confidence, ladies. But like when we're in change rooms and stuff, number one, we're not usually naked. And number two, even if we are naked, you can't see it. But men swing it around. They have like contests and helicopter competitions and they do weird things. I don't know. And I think this is what makes Pete Davidson so attractive whatever's happening with his dick and I've not personally seen it but I've heard the rumors about it being huge it's given him this quiet boost and women flock to his energy he is really funny but a lot of guys are funny and they're not banging where's the list Kaya Gerber who is Claudia Shifford's daughter Kate Beckinsale who's stunning Ariana Grande who just looks like some type of beautiful cartoon mouse Kim Kardashian the modern day Marilyn Monroe Phoebe, whatever her last name is, from Bridgerton, beautiful. He exclusively dates these like hot, 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 hot women. And he's funny, but lots of people are funny. But he's just got this je ne sais quoi, I think, and good for him. Like, what do I care? I think men are triggered by this because Pete Davidson is mopping up the world's hottest women And they're like, what about me? Like, these guys think they might have had a chance with Kim Kardashian and Emily Ratajkowski. You didn't. And these women are dating Pete, I think because, well, he's fun for a while, it seems. I don't know what happens after eight months, but they all seem to be like, that's enough now. I'll tell you what happens. UTIs, there's not enough cranberry juice in the world. You can only do that for a limited amount of time before you start to get injured. And you think, do you know what? My pelvic floor health is worth it to me I gotta walk away from this hobble away from this and uh Pete's dating all the hottest women and Nick Cannon is dating all the laziest dumbest women who don't want to work and who think having a baby is easier than working well guess when it's not especially when the dad signs a check and you only see him once in a while oh, good for Pete Davidson <laughs> good for pete davidson what are your thoughts please email me as ever telling everybody everything at gmail.com let's listen to these words from our sponsors and when we come back i'll see what's in the emails today
0: selling a little or a lot Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
1: The first letter is one about a moral dilemma. Catherine, I made a firm break with an abusive ex over five years ago. The only contact at all has been brief and specific to an organization we both volunteered with for a while. I'm deeply in love and happy with someone else. We're planning our engagement. So this is not a romantic situation. The situation with the ex is that... Oh, he's an alcoholic of the highest order who has also diagnosed borderline personality disorder and likely comorbid NPD, but I'm not a psychiatrist, is allegedly in AA and is working the steps. I mean, you already know too much about him. You don't need to know all this stuff. You definitely don't need to be like pathologizing what is wrong with him. Uh, What's NPD? Narcissistic personality disorder, I think. Yeah, we can't. We can't go around diagnosing and also it's none of your business, allegedly an AA. I mean, look, who cares what he's doing? My first reaction, who the fuck cares what he's doing? You say, I owe this ex nothing. He nearly cost me my life. I avoid him and I don't know anything about his life, nor do I want to. Yes, you do. And I only know he's allegedly seeking treatment for his alcoholism because he reached out via email and ask permission to speak with me on the phone to make amends. Amends is of course part of the AA 12-step program. All right, so he should be blocked from contacting you on email. He should not be able to reach out to you on this way. And if you receive an email from him, if these are your boundaries, and if he's an abusive ex who nearly cost you your life, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be reading the email that's your first mistake in my opinion it's just my opinion but you don't need any contact from this person because you're like I don't know him anything I don't know about his life but you do because you read this email and he told you about his life and you're already speculating like well allegedly he's in I don't really know No. no you're letting him live in your head rent free you're giving him too much space I'm not worried about being sucked back into his mind games And my partner is supportive and understands that how to proceed is my decision alone. He supports whatever I decide to do. So my question is, ethically, should I allow this man to say his piece and feel he's made amends before going back to my zero contact rule? Or ignore him as I have done for over five years and continue my reign of badassery uninterrupted? I believe in letting people try to change, but I also believe in putting myself first. I don't owe him peace, but I have no desire to deprive him of it either. I'm not sure what's ethically correct. All right, so by you withholding contact, you're not depriving of him of him of anything. He can make his peace. I'm not, I'm sorry, if anyone is in the 12-step program, I'm not au fait with all the ins and outs of like why you make amends, if that's for you or if that's for them or if it's just like what the boundaries are of that. But I would imagine that if I was an AA counselor, I imagine I would say like, make amends if you can, you know, you're responsible for the things you can change and you let go of the things you can't change. Some people won't want to talk to you. That's fine. With those cases, you just make amends with like the universe and yourself and you're causing them more harm by like forcing your way in and trying to say your piece because that becomes selfish. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't worry about depriving him of anything. If it is a boundary violation for you to hear his voice or to speak to him on the phone, like you don't have to do that. He can still do his 12-step program and heal without your involvement whatsoever. You do not owe this man your audience. It's up to you and about what you can gain from this apology. Do you feel like you need to put to rest some unfinished business or demons from the past? Do you feel that it would be advantageous to you to hear his apology and get closure that way? If so, let him say his piece. Otherwise, no. You don't have to respond to the email. I don't believe you should have read the email in the first place. I don't believe there should have been an avenue where he could contact you in the first place because what you say is different from what you do. You say, there's been no contact. I haven't thought about blah, blah, blah reading his email is contact. And in my life, I wouldn't have read an email. But in your life, maybe it will help you. So like, don't think about him. You know, he's not an evil person. He's sick. It sounds like fine, fine. It's good that you know that. And it's good to wrap your head around sometimes good people make mistakes and it isn't about you. And it's good to just close the door peacefully, move forward. You don't have to wish him any harm or animosity. But equally, You do not owe him your audience. Reading his email is a form of contact and it's up to you. He can still get the closure he needs and make amends with the universe without you having to listen to his voice. It's totally up to you and what you can gain from it. And that goes for everyone else in the same situation. You don't owe anyone your audience. Oh no, Catherine, my partner wants to go on a break, but insists it's not me. What do I do? I'm 28. My boyfriend's 30. We have a great communicative relationship. We talk through things instead of arguing and generally just have a lot of fun. We both have anxiety, and my boyfriend suffered greatly with this after his last relationship ending. She initially had a break with him to focus on her mental health, and then it ended. He told me of the despair and how she told him it wasn't his fault, but there was nothing wrong uh, with him, but it ended anyway as the relationship affected her mental health. So he tells me all the time about how this is the happiest he's been. He always talks about marriage and kids. So I've never had any worries until last night. We had spent an evening together and we were going when he told me he wanted to go on a break because he doesn't feel himself. Nothing to do with me. I'm great and there are no issues with me. Obviously, I'm heartbroken and I feel extremely anxious about the situation as he's now doing to me what his ex did to him. I left and I told him to have all the space he needs, but if he wants to talk to me, he can reach out. I just don't know what else I can do or how to keep the negative thoughts of us separating at bay. He kept telling me I'm exactly what he would look for in a life partner. I tick all the boxes, but he feels he has everything and nothing at the same time. I just don't understand his need to break things off instead of me just allowing him space and my support to work through this. I'm especially hurt he has done what his ex did to him despite knowing how hurtful that was. So what do I do? I mean, ugh. Ooh, I don't know. It sucks to hear it, but it doesn't really matter why he's doing it. And it doesn't matter what happened with his ex. And I know that you think about all the minutia of how hurtful this is and how to get him back and how to act and react. But, like, I was in a relationship before Bobby there was a break after this relationship with someone whom I'm still friends with. A lot of you know who it is, but like, whatever. It's Alex. (laughs) I'm so bad at like not saying what I want to say. Basically, Alex and I were friends. We were good friends. We had a good relationship for a while. He's the nicest, smartest, most like not an asshole guy I've ever dated. And I respected his work And that's, I think, why I liked him in the first instance. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the type of person I should be dating. He's lovely. But we weren't right for each other in a number of ways. And how old were we when we split up? I don't know. I was maybe like 34 and he was 30. He was the one who ended it first. He was like, I got to go to America to work on this show. Things aren't going well. We were on a FaceTime. We were always in different countries anyway. I think we were sort of just leaning on each other as like emotional crutches Because we weren't in the same place at the same time and I know that's different you guys are in the same place at the same time but here's my point. He was like this isn't working and I was fine with it at first. And then after about a week I was like wait a minute wait a minute what if I never ever meet someone nice to me ever again like he's the nicest guy I've ever dated I really like Alex what am I going to do. And I worked hard to prove to him that it could work. And I thought a lot about, well, why is he saying this? And why is he acting like this? And what does he really want to do? And he was going on dates at the time in America because that's what Americans do. And I was like, oh my God. I'll go to America then and I'll like fix it and I'll do whatever, whatever, whatever. And I worked so hard to fix this thing. And I worked out all these little details of what was wrong. And he said, like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just we live in different countries and it's not working. And it's Ultimately, not what's going to make us happy. And then he went back on it and we got back together because I tried so hard to make these things go away. But ultimately, we weren't right for each other. And now we're both happier with our new partners and we're great friends. And that was really a difficult pill to swallow in the moment. Because in the moment, your reaction is that you feel rejected and you want to make everything better and you try to make sense of it. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to you, it's just hurtful and it's going to be hurtful for a while. And if someone wants space, You can fight against it and you can squeeze another 18 months out of that relationship or you can just let it go and go, all right, well, whatever you need, whatever you're telling me, it doesn't matter why. You just go, the person who's right for me wouldn't be asking for space from me and wouldn't be saying things like, I feel that I have everything and nothing. You know, Bobby would never say that to me because Bobby is the right person for me. And it's not my fault or Alex's fault that we were right for each other. And it's not your fault and this guy's fault that maybe you're not right for each other. Or maybe we'll just have a break and he'll go, holy shit, I hated this break from you. And I needed to sort some things out. I mean, I don't know because my mental health has always been quite rock solid. So when you add these complexities of anxiety and different things, like if someone wants a break from you, I, you, I think the reason doesn't matter and you can't take it personally. You just have to be like, whatever will be, will be. And who was it? I think actually Tyler Perry, who's a comedian. But it gave me a lot of comfort. It said someone's in your life for a reason or a season or a lifetime. And if someone walks out of your life, you have to let them go. Oh, hell to the hell to the hell to the no. Catherine, old nudes on boyfriend's phone. I'm 26. I've been going out with my BF for a year and a half. We met through a mutual friend at work shortly after he'd broken up with an ex. We got together quite soon after the split. We took things slowly to make sure he felt ready, which he assured me he was ready. Everything's been great. We're going to hopefully move in together by the end of the year. However, by the end of the year, how are you going to do that? Babe, it's fucking November 17th. However, recently something happened which has left me feeling uncomfortable. We were away. I was scrolling through the photos we had taken that day on his phone while he had a shower. (laughs) You idiot. Don't treat me like a man. Oh, I was innocently scrolling through the photos that we had taken together while my boyfriend was in the shower. I had full use of his phone and I was just scrolling, but accidentally my thumb just scrolled all the way back. Two photos from a year and a half ago, two years before, she says. (laughs) Oh, listen to this. And his photos, it was exactly like I thought, his photos spun back when I scrolled up. Oh, oh. So when I stopped on them, it was on the time two years before. Babe, I have a 13-year-old daughter. Don't you take me for a fucking fool. How dare you lie to me? Lie to him. You do what you want while he's in the shower. You you take his face when he's asleep. Do you know what I did to get into my daughter's phone one time? Is I took a picture of her face and I held that picture up to her phone to open her face recognition. And we have open passcodes in the house. She doesn't have anything secret from me, but whatever this was, I forget what it was, it needed facial recognition. And so I went, like, took a photo, I think a photo on the wall or something, and I held the phone up to it and unlocked her phone. You do what you fucking want. You drug him while he's sleeping. You take his thumb and you use his thumbprint to open his phone. I don't care what you do. Lie to him. Don't you goddamn dare lie to me. You were going through his phone. You were snooping. Just admit it. I started to go back to where I was. No, you didn't. However, I was shocked to glance at nude photos of his ex whom I recognized from photos on his social media, which you have also scoured. I felt a bit sick having invaded his privacy, seeing them, as I had done every day of our relationship. However, then I found myself feeling quite upset that he still has these photos. Yes, yes, you felt upset because you found the thing that you wanted to find, that you knew you were always going to find, but that you shouldn't find because Ladies, gentlemen, we cannot go scrolling through people's phones. We can't do it because you know what? You're going to find something you don't like if you scroll far back enough. And that might even be like him having usually not. It's usually not even guys who do this. It's girls who do this. We have a bad day. And what do you do? You write to your best friend. I fucking hate my boyfriend. He's such a cock. He's so stupid. And today he did this. And you don't hate him. And you don't feel like that. But you just needed to vent to your friend. And you said something really nasty about the partner that you love that you shouldn't have said in writing ever. But you did. Because we can be nasty like that. And you never meant for him to find it. But if he scrolled through your phone, he might find it. And he might be hurt. And it might be so damaging to your relationship, even though it was nothing. It was just you slagging him off. Because that's what you do sometimes with your best friend. Okay? So don't scroll, scroll through someone's phone. Just don't do it. And maybe they don't have naked pictures. Probably they don't. But you're going to f- dig until you find something that hurts your feelings. <sighs> I've been confused since and I didn't want to bring it up in case he thought I'd been snooping on his phone when I didn't mean to see them. Stop lying to me. Should I speak with him? How do I bring it up? I don't know if I even want to as I want to trust him and maybe he's forgotten about them. Okay, here's what you do. You can't forget some things that you see. So you take this as a lesson like, oh, fuck. I've seen these naked photos now from two years ago and I shouldn't have seen them. And now I've seen them. I can't unsee them, but it's entirely my fault. So I need to like red pill myself or whatever and like make myself forget because this is all my fault. I shouldn't have seen it and you're never going to bring it up with him because what you did was wrong. All right. And yes, in a perfect world, you would think, oh, he deleted these pics. I don't know. Go back in and delete them yourself if you want. You're, We know you're in that phone every time he takes a fucking shower. <laughs> Just take it as a lesson moving forward. It doesn't matter what happened before you. It just matters what happens now. And you shouldn't have been snooping. You really shouldn't have. And I wish that you could forget this. Oh, Bobby and Fred are coming in. Hi. You can come in. I'm just answering emails. Hi, Fred. Are you playing with Daddy? Hi. Hi, Fred. What are you doing? Oh, a kiss. Thank you. Daddy. A lady was snooping through her boyfriend's phone, but she says she wasn't. She was just innocently scrolling when he was in the shower and she saw naked pics of his ex girlfriend from two years ago. Hi. Hi. Which is six months before they started dating. Whose fault is that? Um, I guess both of their faults. <laughs> What's the matter, Fred? Uh-huh. You want me to play with you? Uh-huh. Okay, well, I'm finished now. I was just asking. Um, yeah, he should have deleted it. And also, maybe he shouldn't be going through his phone. I don't know. Uh-huh. Unless there's other issues, I have no idea. I'm just jumping in. All right. Oh, I gotta go. Bobby's so nice always taking the woman's side. I think it's all your fault. Bobby thinks it's both your fault. I'll see you next week. Write me an email. Fred, can you say telling everybody everything at gmail.com? Can you say that?